five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 40 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow there? Reach out to me on Twitter at Sir DRJM, and I'd be happy to interact with you. Uh, answer your questions, whatever comments, concerns, talk about suggestions on the show, anything you'd like to bring up shoot it to me over there you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends all that fun stuff now for today's show i was actually a little bit surprised we have a, a significant number of news stories to talk about um i expected things to be a little thinner after the may melee tournament ended but hey more news means more to talk about so we'll do just that now, after we're done with the news, we'll dive into the May Melee Tournament and see what happened this past weekend in the Overwatch League. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Playtime's over. Now, to kick things off this week, we're going to throw in a required reading, everyone's favorite segment. And I actually uh, realized I should do a little extra, and so I'm actually going to throw the link to the article here uh, in the description of the episode. So if you're interested in reading it, as I suggest, you can find it right from the podcast here. So this time around, we are going to shout out uh, Joseph Franco, aka Volumel. I, I know I often bring up Yiska's articles here from GG Recon. Uh, however, this time around, we are bringing up his uh, tactical crouch counterpart, Joseph Franco, aka Volumel. So this is an article titled, It is Time to Put Some Respect on Yaki's Name. Now I'd like to throw it out there that if I were uh, Joe, I would have wanted to title this, It's Time to Put Some Goddamn Respect on Yaki's Name. However, I'm sure he was told he could not put that in the title of the article. So it's just titled, It is Time Overwatch Put Some Respect on Yaki's Name. Now, if we are taking a look at this article, the byline reads, let's say it together, Yaki is a bona fide S-class tier 1 DPS all-star. And I'll read just a quick snippet here, but as I mentioned, this is going to be the required reading. So go find this, go give Joe the read. Surviving in a game like Overwatch is like wading up a sand dune. Every step is a little steeper. Each foothold immediately depresses and makes it that much harder to progress. All the while, the winds of change constant blow, spraying sand to obscure your vision. That's why it is rare in Overwatch to have veteran players stand the erosion of time. Each grain, each little bead of dry heat ticks away like seconds on a timer. We're all constantly in a losing race to father time, but Kim Yaki Junki has persisted. Not only has he been a major factor in upsetting one of the greatest Overwatch teams in history, but he's joined and performed well on successful teams, lasted through the rigid and jagged metagames, and came out the other side with an impressive rookie debut and an MVP nomination during Overwatch League's 2020 season. So that's the first couple paragraphs there. Uh, of the intro, of course, this article is uh, pretty self-explanatory from the name. However, uh, it's a really great look at uh, where Yaki came from, uh, goes through his his Apex career as well as some contenders, uh, further contenders, as well as uh, some Academy uh, performances that he had playing with some other 
other names that you might recognize uh, throughout the Overwatch League and throughout Contenders. And then, of course, his move over to the Florida Mayhem and uh, recaps a little bit of their success last season and obviously moves into some of the uh, exciting stuff from this season. So this was actually posted May 4th. Um, so this would have gone up the same day that uh, that our previous episode went up, but I didn't catch it then. So I wanted to shout out Joe here. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Volamel, I believe. Uh, however, go ahead and click the link in the description for this episode to find this article, give it a read. And as I mentioned, it is time Overwatch put some goddamn respect on Yaki's name. Now, let's move on to the news, and our first news article comes from everyone's favorite, Liz Richardson, over on DottieSports.com, this time posted on May 3rd, and it reads like this. Overwatch League partners with University of Hawaii Esports. As the Dallas Fuel and Florida Mayhem travel to the shores of Hawaii for the May Melee Tournament, the Overwatch League is giving fans more information about the team's gracious hosts. Today, the league announced a partnership with the esports program at the University of Hawaii at Manoa to host four tournaments throughout the 2021 season. Students from the university will get hands-on experience in production, content creation, and more as the tournament takes place. They've then got the tweet embedded from at UHESport, we are excited to officially announce our partnership with the 2021 Overwatch League. The hashtag OWL2021 playoffs will take place in our facilities and will provide our students with real-world experience in the esports industry. Hashtag OWLXUHE, handshake emoji, full announcement, pointing emoji, YouTube link. And of course, the YouTube video is embedded there. Due to COVID-19 travel restrictions, the Overwatch League is still split into two regions, East and West. All Eastern teams are located in Asia, and Western teams are based in North America and Europe. In order to create a fair playing field as far as ping is concerned, Western teams will travel to Hawaii to face off against their Eastern competitors. Students in the eSport program at the University of Hawaii at Manoa located on the island of Oahu, will get to see the Overwatch League's production process up close. According to a video posted by the university, students will get to actively participate in the events and learn from professionals in the industry. For each tournament, two qualifying Western Overwatch League teams will travel to Oahu and use facilities provided by the university. Considering each team only has days to prepare for a high-stakes showdown, the availability of a built-in esports infrastructure is invaluable. Students and staff from the University of Hawaii will be providing behind-the-scenes looks at the process on social media. Matches for the first tournament, the May Melee, begin on May 6th at 9pm Central Time. So of course we've already had the tournament that uh, they are talking about there, the May Melee Tournament. However, uh, exciting to see this partnership um, and uh, as it applies to, obviously, uh, this tournament, but also the the June Joust, and I don't even remember what the other two are going to be called. Uh, I could pull it up easy enough if I tried really hard. The Summer Showdown and the Countdown Cup, and then potentially, I'm uncertain, but potentially the, uh, the Grand Finals. I would suspect the Grand Finals will... Ah, it's hard to say. I was going to say we'll once again be in South Korea, just like they were last year. However, obviously, there were uh, there have already been visa challenges with uh, some teams getting visas to Korea. So we might not see that. We might still see the Western teams uh, competing in Hawaii with the Eastern teams uh, staying at their home bases. But I digress. Exciting uh, partnership for the University of Hawaii and uh, exciting to see uh, the league partnering with them in this way. 
moving on from there. Our next article is also by Liz Richardson, this time posted on May 6th over on DottieSports.com, and it reads like this. Paris Eternal mutually parts ways with Neptuno. One of the Overwatch League's most storied support players will be taking a break from professional play after a rough start to the 2021 season. The Paris Eternal mutually parted ways with main support Alberto Neptuno Gonzalez today. This leaves the team without a main support just two weeks before the next tournament cycle begins. Neptuno joined the newly rebuilt Paris Eternal before the 2021 Overwatch League season began. The team was constructed around some of the top European talent in the scene, as well as a few impressive rookies. Despite this talent, a lack of cohesion dragged the team down. The Eternal have a 1-3 record so far this year. Now I'd like to point out that one of those wins, or their only win I should say, is against the Vancouver Titans. Uh, Paris's tweet is embedded in the article there. Today we have mutually agreed to part ways with at Neptuno. Whoops, I clicked the link. We thank Alberto for his guidance, experience, and dedication to our over Owl 2021 campaign and wish him the best of luck in the future. And they have a nice little graphic saying, farewell, roster update Neptuno. Few Overwatch veterans remain in the scene, and Neptuno was one of the longest-standing support players in the game. He was an integral part of competitive teams as early as 2016 and played in the Overwatch World Cup for three years with Team Spain. Within the league, he previously played for the Philadelphia Fusion and Guangzhou Charge. On his personal Twitter account, Neptuno said the decision was mutual and that he'll be taking a break to figure out his next moves. Quote, I found myself enjoying coaching inside the team, and it seems like it would have been a natural transition for me, Neptuno said, possibly hinting at a role change in the future. The Paris Eternal are now left with two weeks to find a replacement main support and will likely pull from the well of European Overwatch contenders talent. On May 21st, the Paris Eternal will face the Toronto Defiant when the next tournament cycle begins. So, obviously, uh, a little bit sad to see Neptuno, uh, you know, stepping away. Um, I'm just pulling it up here. He is actually born in 92, February 12th. He is exactly February, March, April, May. He's exactly three months older than me. Wow, I had no idea. So, certainly a veteran in the league and certainly one of the, uh, you know, older players in the league. I think uh, average age of, of players in the league is probably closer to 24, 25, if not even lower, um, you know, as is generally the case when it comes to esports. So uh, sad to see a veteran like that go, but obviously, uh, you know, everyone's time comes. And as he mentions there, uh, it would be very, very interesting to see him move into more of a coaching role. Um, and of course, we wish him the best and uh, excited to see what will happen to Paris, uh, given that, as they mentioned there, May 21st, Paris plays the Toronto Defiant. And if they had, don't have a main support, then well, then they're going to forfeit that match. Uh, but I don't suspect that'll happen. I don't think these, these kind of moves are typically made. You know, you don't pull the trigger uh, on, on a move like that if you don't already have your plan in place. So I'd suspect they already have someone. They are just, uh, you know, formalizing plans and will be making an announcement soon. So hopefully on next week's episode 41 of One Man Watchpoint, we will be talking about Paris Eternal's new main support. Moving on from there, we're going to go over to Dexerto.com. This time, an article posted by Alan Bernal on May 7th reads... Overwatch League VP teases new direction for tournament skins after May Melee. The vice president of the Overwatch League has explained more on how the company is exploring different ways to commemorate its season champions and event winners after discontinuing MVP skins. 
For the first tournament of the year, Blizzard is releasing the MMA skin for none other than the May Melee event. The skin is specifically for this tournament and is a unique way of marking uh, the competition, which could start the trend. After they cancelled the MVP line, the studio said it was because they wanted to have an alternate solution that commemorates the team that won more than just the player. Well, it seems Blizzard is making more strides in that effort as the 2021 campaign progresses. Quote, there are other ways we're trying to commemorate tournament winners in a game, Owl VP John Specs underscore J Spectre said on the Plat Chat podcast. Quote, like the MMA skin is generally awesome, but you're right, it's not a Dallas Fuel skin. I think it would be cool to find a way to sort of celebrate whichever team is able to come out on top. So that's something we've been working on too, and it's something we'll probably have more to share soon. This could mean that Owl is toying with the idea of general championship skins for an entire team, rather than the specific player. Since there are already general Owl skins in Overwatch, Blizzard could be experimenting on specific hero skins picked by the players themselves. But for events like the May Melee, Blizzard might already be showing their cards for what they plan to do for the next tournament. Quote, I think people generally look at what we've done in the past and use that to draw their own conclusions. This skin is clearly linked to the May Melee and can speculate on what comes next, Spectre said. Regardless, these Owl-specific commemorative skins are some of the best to grace the game, and fans will be interested to see how Blizzard decides to continue the tradition. So, as I mentioned there, um, sure will be exciting to see what they come up with for the June Joust. I have, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that that will be in some way inspired by, you know, Knights of Yore and, and medieval times kind of thing, given the, the jousting nature uh, the, the jousting nomenclature of the tournament itself. Um, so that'll be exciting to see. Summer Showdown, who knows what they'll come up with. Countdown Cup, uh, I, I don't know. I hear Countdown and my brain goes astronauts. Maybe some space skins. I mean, wouldn't be unheard of. We've got, you know, Winston has a, a space-like skin. I believe some other characters might as well. But I digress. Um, will be exciting to see what they come up with for future tournaments. And for the potential winners, right? Um, if they, it's it's funny that John uh, John Specter in the article there, or in the interview there, points out that uh, it's not a Dallas Fuel skin, given the uh, spoilers. But the Dallas Fuel win the uh, May Melee tournament. So, anyways, will be exciting to see what they come up with and what they do for the actual winners of those tournaments. Moving on from there, we're going to go back to DottieSports.com. We're going to go back to Liz Richardson, and this time it is an article from May eighth. That reads, Dallas Fuel win Overwatch League May Melee. So again, I mean, as I mentioned, spoilers for the uh, OWL recap where we will take a quick look at all of the matches from the May Melee tournament. But I like uh, Liz, Liz's recap of the tournament or of the uh, final match here. So I will break it down with this. The Overwatch League's first 2021 tournament has finally crowned one international champion. In a wildly close six-map showdown, the Dallas Fuel took down the Shanghai Dragons to earn the franchise's first title win. All eyes were on Fuel main tank Lee Fearless Yusiok, I hope I pronounced that right, who faced his former team in these grand finals. Earlier in the May Melee bracket, the Dallas Fuel met with the, with the Shanghai Dragons and defeated the latter team in a 3-2 series. Shanghai climbed back through the loser's bracket, defeating both the Chengdu Hunters and Florida Mayhem to earn a place in the May Melee Grand Finals and get a rematch with the Fuel. 
The first portion of the Grand Finals was a back-and-forth affair, with Dallas and Shanghai trading aggression and racking up wins on self-selected maps. On the fourth map, Watchpoint Gibraltar, the Dragons nearly held the fuel from the first checkpoint. Dallas rallied back thanks to clutch hero choices from DPS Doha and prevented Shanghai from finishing the map by mere meters. Shanghai looked to turn the series around on Ilios, taking the map with a 2-0 score and putting a damper on Dallas's confident attitude. The Fuel decided to take the Dragons to Blizzard World and forced the latter team to take part in a fast-paced showdown. Dallas DPS Sparkle pulled out a surprising Soldier 76 pick that made infinite space for Fearless to cause chaos. Dallas pushed the payload just past Shanghai's impressive Blizzard World defense and took the series with a 4-2 scoreline. Most of the match came down to the wire, and Shanghai, working with the talents of 2020 MVP Fleta, gave a true challenge to the Fuel throughout the series. As the winners of the May Melee Tournament, the Dallas Fuel will bring home a massive $100,000 prize. They'll also earn three, quote, league points, which will go towards postseason standings. The Shanghai Dragons won't go home empty-handed, though. They've earned $70,000 and two league points. Next week, the Overwatch League will be on a break as players and staff rest up. The season's next tournament cycle, the June Joust, will kick off on May 21st. Obviously, uh, there we are again teasing the uh, return of the Overwatch League with the June Joust upcoming. But overall, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you caught the uh, May Melee Tournament. And if you didn't, you at least watched the Grand Final between uh, the Shanghai Dragons there and the Dallas Fuel. And, uh, you know, I pulled Liz's article just in case because obviously it's a great breakdown of... uh, some of the highlights, some of the more interesting uh, back and forth that we saw. Um, obviously, some of the stars of the show with, uh, you know, Fearless on the Dallas Fuel main tank role being the uh, the anime protagonist of the league. Um, obviously, you know, Dark Horses or, or I don't know if you want to call him a Dark Horse, but uh, Sparkle coming coming in hot on the, uh, the role he was not quite meant to play. But, uh, you know, Dallas really coming up with some creative ways to best the Shanghai Dragons, who honestly, if we were to look at my pickums, if I had actually picked my pickums, which I completely forgot to do, but when I did them at the end of last episode, I kind of remember a little bit about what I did there, and I really did not think that the Shanghai Dragons could uh, make a run for the final. I think if I'm not mistaken, I had Dallas and Chengdu going all the way, uh, because I really thought that the, you know, Dallas looked good, but I thought the unexpected nature uh, of Chengdu's play also kind of matched the unexpected nature of Dallas's play. However, um, you know, obviously the Shanghai Dragons really, really stepped it up, um, going from their, from their season wins and everything, you know, they were, they were three and one, I believe going into the, the tournament. Um, so, you know, obviously not, not a bad record at all, but they weren't looking great. Um, and they certainly weren't looking as strong as I think any of the other teams in the tournament. Um, so I digress. Uh, I, I didn't have too high of hopes for Shanghai. Um, I really thought Dallas would be in the final against Chengdu, but Hey, Shanghai really pulled up their socks, uh, clutched some wins there to make it to the final, but ultimately could not take it all the way. So Let's move on to our next story. This one ties in nicely because this is another Dallas Fuel story. And this time around, we're going to head on over to Jinx.tv with an article by Andres Aguino, which reads, Pine returns to the Overwatch League, signs with Dallas Fuel. 
Dallas Fuel fans are still celebrating the franchise's first OWL championship after winning the May Melee against the Shanghai Dragons, and will now rejoice following the news of legendary hit scan Pine making a return to pro Overwatch as uh, Overwatch signing as their newest DPS player. Rumors started circulating after renowned leaker Halo of Thoughts, at uh, Halo of Thoughts on Twitter, teased Pine's return with a couple of emojis via social media, which veteran Owl fans quickly picked up as a sign of Pine's impending return. Pine became a star during Owl's inaugural season in 2018, playing with a star-studded New York Excelsior roster, establishing himself as one of the best Widowmaker and McCree players in the world, exciting fans with an aggressive playstyle in the process. Sadly, as the meta moved away from any sort of damage dealers coming into 2019, Pine's career momentum halted, ending up in retirement in December of that year, moving into content creation. With Overwatch League's current meta featuring a plethora of hitscan heroes like McCree, Ash, and Widowmaker, the Dallas Fuel took a hit by losing their main player for said role due to injury, Exe, with coaching staff having to cook up off-meta compositions to guide the team to victory during the May Melee. The Overwatch League 2021 season will return this upcoming 21st of May with the June Joust Tournament Qualifiers, the first event of the year to feature hero pools. Pine could make his debut with the Fuel when Dallas faces the London Spitfire on May 28th. So, interesting one to talk about there. Um, the the sort of important part being there, obviously, uh, highlighting the retirement of Exe because of his his injuries that he's sustained from you know years of playing uh, competitive video games, obviously. Um, and as as they mentioned there, you know, Dallas was really looking hot with Exe on the roster, and when Exe was announced to be retiring, I think it was definitely no further out than two weeks out from the start of the the season um you know people were pretty worried because that hitscan role is generally speaking always been an important role you know maybe with the exception of during the goats meta but hitscan has always been pretty important um and well sparkle has really stepped up to play some of that um to you know take on some of that load i think they've largely had to figure things out without a dedicated hitscan um and that's why we saw things like soldier 76 as liz richardson mentioned there um and that's also why we saw sparkle playing you know a lot of tracer and things like that um if i'm not mistaken i don't think dallas actually played any mccree in the tournament which hey, uh, it obviously worked out well for them because they took it all. Um, now, what is also interesting about this is the fact that Pine um, is known to have been uh, significantly good. Um, however, my understanding is that may not be the case anymore. But I had also heard that, you know, he trialed with Dallas uh, during the offseason and people were actually pretty impressed with him. So if that's what earned him this place, then great. And uh, looking forward to seeing the return of, you know, of a former All-Star. So there you have it. Now we're going to take another trip back to DottieSports.com. This time May 10th, posted by Xavier Johnson. And this article reads... Philadelphia Fusion signs Toby Hotba for the rest of 2021 Overwatch League season. The veterans are sticking around. Overwatch veterans Hotba and Toby will remain with Philadelphia Fusion for the rest of the season, the team announced today. Hotba and Toby joined the Fusion before the 2021 Overwatch League season started to fill in for the team's regular starters Poco Funny and Funny Astro, who were unable to join the squad in Korea due to visa issues. They've then got the tweet embedded from the Philadelphia Fusion at Fusion, which, hey, I just realized they have the uh, Twitter handle at Fusion. How did they get that? That's awesome. 
The tweet reads, They were with us when we needed them the most, and we know that we wouldn't have achieved 4-0 without these two veterans. We're thrilled to have at OW underscore Yang Toby and at Hotba underscore OW join us for the rest of the hashtag Owl 2021 season. Hashtag Philly Power. The ongoing visa issues affecting Poco, Funny Astra, Funny Astro, sorry, and Damage Players Shockwave have forced the team to sign Toby and Hotba for the rest of the season. The veteran pair performed well during the May Melee qualifiers, helping the Fusion go 4-0 before losing to the Shanghai Dragons in a classic six-map series. Despite the loss, the Fusion answered a lot of questions from concerned fans worried about a possible lack of synergy due to losing two starters. The pair of veterans have been in the Overwatch League since the inaugural season and were able to integrate into the team immediately. In Week 1, the Fusion defeated the Seoul Dynasty and Los Angeles Valiant. The team's newest additions didn't miss a step. Toby is a strong veteran main support lining up next to the team's superstar flex support alarm. Toby played for the Seoul Dynasty during the first three seasons before being dropped this past offseason. They then have a tweet embedded from Ronston Yu, who I'm not sure who that is, but let's read it. With Toby signed to the roster for the rest of the season, we have a seasoned veteran who knows how to lead the team both in and out of the game. He's been instrumental in our strong start and will continue to be a huge part of our season, even when the full team arrives. And then in brackets and uh, all caps, it says soon. Now I'm going to click this link and check Twitter. This is the assistant GM for the Philadelphia Fusion. There you go. And you know what? You get a follow, Ronston, you. Um, so obviously, you know, nice tweet coming out from the uh, assistant GM there. Hotba, it, continuing with the article, sorry. Hotba is one of the original Fusion players who was on the team's Season 1 Grand Finals roster. Since then, he's played for the Guangzhou Charge and New York Excelsior. His aggressive style has been hit or miss over the last two years. While on the Charge, he was a major contributor to the team's 15-13 and 13 season. But his tenure with the Excelsior was underwhelming, and he ended up being benched in favor of the team's current off-tank, Bianca. Another tweet embedded from Ronston Yu. With Hotba signed to the roster for the rest of the season, we have four, in all caps, exclamation mark, of our original players from our magical underdog run during the OWL inaugural season. Fusion stays together like family, and early adversity doesn't mean we won't be ready to go far this year, in a flex emoji. Fusion returned to action on May 22nd, when the squad will face the New York Excelsior at 7 a.m. Central Time. So there you go. Uh, really exciting to see those those two uh, being signed permanently to the Philadelphia roster for the rest of the year. Um, I'm especially a fan of Toby, uh, you know, having cheered for, uh, having cheered on the Seoul Dynasty towards the end of last year's season. Um, you know, obviously, I I really like uh, Seoul uh, in general, just because they have uh, kind of a cool vibe to them. I have really no reason uh, to, to follow them that closely. Uh, other than that, I mean, I was cheering for them last year because uh, Slime from the former Vancouver Titans and uh, Runaway roster round, uh, round up, wound up playing for them uh, and going to the grand finals. However, um, you know, he's obviously not there anymore, and he is with the Florida Mayhem, who I obviously cheer for now. Uh, but regardless, uh, very exciting to see Toby and Hotba landing that full contract and staying in the league for at least another season. Moving on from there, we are going to stick to .esports.com. Another article by Xavier Johnson, this time posted on May 10th, and it reads like this. Paris Eternal signs contenders veteran Dridro. Oh, and look at that. That's uh, 
I, I just answered my own question. It's as if I didn't even read my own articles, but I definitely did. But maybe I was just teasing that. Anyways, I digress. Let's continue. Uh, the Paris Eternal will bring in European contenders veteran main support Dridro as its new starter, the Overwatch League team announced today. This move comes after the team parted ways with Alberto Neptuno Molin, Mol, Mol, Molinillo a week ago. Sorry about that. Sorry, Neptuno. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad. Leaving the franchise without a main support on the roster. Keeping in line with the all-EU roster, Dridro joins a team that's preparing for a bounce-back performance in the June Joust. Paris's tweet is then embedded there, and it reads, Bienvenue at Dridro underscore OW and three uh, French flag emojis. Arthur joins us as a new starting support, and we're beyond stoked to have him on board for the June Joust pending league approval. After a decent performance in the Steel Series Invitational preseason tournament, the Eternal failed to qualify for the May Melee knockout rounds with a 1-3 record in qualifying matches. Neptuno was the longest tenured Overwatch League player on the roster, and his departure left a hole in the lineup both in and out of the game. Dridro might be a name that's unfamiliar to most fans, but EU Contenders viewers will recognize the longtime veteran in the scene. Most recently, Dridro won Contenders 2021 EU Season 1 April with New Kings. The squad defeated Shu's Money Crew in a 4-1 contest on May 4th. Before finding success on New Kings, Dridro was a part of many different European and North American contenders rosters since 2018, including Uprising Academy and Montreal Rebellion. The Paris Eternal opened June Joust competition against the Toronto Defiant on May 21st at 2 p.m. CT. There you have it. Uh, as I mentioned there, um, you know, answering the question about who will replace Neptuno. And obviously, we now have our answer. Welcome to the league, Dridro. Um, you know, I don't follow contenders very much, so I've never heard of them. But hey, we'll see what Paris can do. Next up is actually an interesting, interesting article here. Um, it's a bit of a read, but I'm going to dive in there because I think it's a very important article. Uh, and I hope to see more organizations adopt this line of thinking. So this article actually comes from misfitsgaming.gg. This is, uh, you know, a Misfits Gaming's, uh, uh, what am I looking for here? Press release announcing this. Uh, and it was released just today. I mean, as of recording yesterday, but technically, whatever. Uh, on May 11th, and it reads, Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein joins Misfits Gaming Group as first chief wellness advisor. Misfits Gaming Group, a global esports and entertainment leader, announced today that Carolyn Rubenstein, PhD, has been named the organization's chief wellness advisor, marking the first time a major esports company has established a C-suite executive role focusing on the mental health and wellness of the entire organization. Dr. Rubenstein will be building thoughtfully tailored MGG, Misfits Gaming Group's, Misfits Gaming Group programs from the ground up for its competitive teams bracket League of Legends, Call of Duty League, and Overwatch League, its content creators, and all MGG staff to boost productivity and strengthen the culture of the organization. Each program will carefully will be carefully customized based on the analysis and specifications needed to help teams and individuals focus on their mental health and well-being to ultimately achieve sustained success both physically and mentally. In this important role, she will analyze the MGG culture at a higher level and support the organization's broader goals of developing a family atmosphere, which includes interviewing and strategically hiring candidates that will fit within the organizational culture. Quote, I am truly grateful to be joining forces with, the Mits with Misfits Gaming Group and to use my experience to strengthen the family culture within the organization, said Dr. Rubenstein. 
In my early assessment with Misfits, I was surprised by how receptive our pro players and staff were to prioritizing and exploring mental health to improve their overall performance. The mental well-being of any individual is vital to achieving a variety of success in one's life, so it's exciting to begin a new chapter in an industry that could use this level of dedication and expertise. Along with joining MGG, Dr. Rubenstein is a physiologist in private practice where she specializes in the treatment of anxiety and mood disorders. Additionally, she has presented on the topic of gaming and mental health and has also worked with both professional and non-professional gamers. Dr. Rubenstein received her undergraduate degree in psychology from Duke University and received an MA in in psychology from Harvard University and PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Miami. She is also a member of the Phi Beta Kappa Society. Quote, it is an honor to officially welcome Dr. Rubenstein as a part of the MGG family, said Misfits Gaming CEO Ben Spoont. It is integral to ensure our staff and players have the resources necessary to perform at a high level, and I know that she will have a long-term impact on our organization. As a part of Mental Health Awareness Month, Dr. Rubenstein will moderate the Women of Misfits speaker series on May 14th with Born This Way Foundation Executive Director Maya Anista Smith which can be viewed on MGG's YouTube channel. MGG recently announced the launch of its Women of Misfits platform, which focuses on four core pillars, mentorship, development, network, and advocacy. The platform includes a series of guest speakers that are moderated by MGG executives. The speaker series, which kicked off on May 4th with comedian Glozel Green and Misfits Chief Development Officer Hillary Matchett, focuses on topics that matter to the guests designed to inspire both the gaming community and women to pursue their dreams. Future speakers will include professional baseball coach Bianca Smith in June, four-time Olympic medalist Angela Ruggiero in July, and tennis legend Chris Everett in August. For more information, please visit Misfits Gaming Group. And they obviously have a link to their own website there. So anyways, uh, I think that article probably says pretty much everything uh, I need to. Um, this is important, this is significant, and we should hopefully see every organization in the league take steps uh, in a similar direction because ultimately mental health within the league uh, I think and in a lot of esports tends to lean towards the negative side um, I don't think it's either talked about a lot or I don't think there's a huge focus on it obviously especially you know with with COVID and everything it's a whole whole nother layer to that uh, challenge but you know last season we obviously saw a ton of players retiring you know citing mental wellness uh, as well as physical wellness um, and ultimately this is a good thing and hopefully 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 we see more more organizations take this kind of thing as seriously as it seems the misfits gaming group is all right now we are going to move into our final question mark yep our final news story of the week and for that we're going to head over to fanbyte.com with an article posted on may 11th that's yesterday written by kenneth shepherd and it reads like this blizzard is hosting an overwatch 2 stream next week please show soldier 76 now i, I that that last little bit there i think is is uh a little bit of editorializing, but that's okay. Let's continue. Blizzard has said it's going to be more communicative about Overwatch 2 following its presentation at BlizzCon 2021, and it sounds like the company is ready to make good on that promise very soon, like next week. 
Aaron Keller, who recently took over for Jeff Kaplan as the game's director after his departure in April, said in his first developer update video that Blizzard is planning on holding a live stream to focus on the game's PvP modes specifically. This means there's likely not to be any new footage of the game's campaign, which is cooperative and story-driven. The stream will take place on May 20th and feature Overwatch League teams as well as developers. Following this, the team will be doing a Reddit AMA on May 24th to discuss the game's uh, the game further, along with just talking generally about the past five years of developing Overwatch and its sequel. Overwatch 2 is coming to PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch, and will share a competitive multiplayer pool with the original Overwatch. Unfortunately, the game has been pushed out of 2021. Sequel will bring a story mode to the series, which blah, blah, blah. I'm just reading through the rest of this here. Uh, the rest of that article is is just talking about the game and, and Overwatch 2 and such. So, anyways, uh, exciting stuff here. As the article mentions there, there was a brief developer update posted on the Overwatch League YouTube channel um, where we get to see Aaron Keller basically just talking at the camera about some things that are upcoming um, the first of which being that May 20th stream where he said they're going to be looking at uh, um, the competitive side of Overwatch 2 so you know the fact that he mentions there that we're going to be seeing some Overwatch League teams involved uh, suggests to me they might just have some scrims they might be you know showing us or they might have arranged for a number of teams to have access to the the beta of the game or something not necessarily the beta but a test version of the game and uh hopefully we'll get to see some some true competitive action there maybe we'll get to see a little bit of uh you know the new push mode that they announced maybe some changes and or adjustments to something like 2cp which i believe jeff kaplan had previously said won't even be in overwatch 2 anymore um but that kind of thing uh, sure would be welcome, given that there has been so such a focus on the uh, the single player or co-op uh, sort of side of the game uh, this time around. So, so there you have it. That is all of the news that I have to bring you this week. That was 37 minutes of news. So, like I mentioned, uh, a bit of a hefty news cycle this time around. Um, next week, I do suspect it will be lighter. Uh, given that we will be recording on the 18th slash 19th kind of thing, um, which means we will actually be recording before the stream that I just talked about. Um, hmm, now I'm wondering if I should push that back. We'll see what happens there. I might push it back. I might record anyways. And then, of course, that means that uh, the 25th episode, the episode that posts on the 26th of May, will be a little bit loaded, but uh, I digress. We'll, we'll see what I decide to do there. So uh, that's it for our news stories this week. Now let's move on to the OWL recap. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right. So as we all know, uh, the May Melee tournament was this past weekend. Um, I'm not going to break down the matches too, too much because obviously uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast, as I mentioned before, there's a good chance you caught at least the final, if not a number of these matches from the past weekend. Um, and if you didn't, hey, you can go watch them on the replay viewer. But also, I am well aware that, uh, you know, there are podcasts like Plat Chat and uh, even Tactical Crouch, who certainly dive into these games uh, with quite a bit more knowledge than I. So I will just briefly cover these games. However, let's get in there. The first game was on Thursday, May 6th, and we saw the Shanghai Dragons face off, face off against the Florida Mayhem in an exciting match uh where really i was cheering for the florida mayhem um and 
honestly, honestly, honestly thought they looked really good and was mostly just surprised that Shanghai seemed to be getting their stuff together. Um, now, obviously, we will see what happens here. So first, Shanghai Dragons take on the Florida Mayhem. First map on Ilios goes to Shanghai. The second map on Hanamura uh, goes to Shanghai, although it looks like this was a draw. That was definitely a draw. Uh, map three went to King's Row, which went the way of the Florida Mayhem. Map four was Watchpoint Gibraltar, and it went the way of Shanghai, one to zero. Oasis then went the way of Florida, two to zero. And finally, they went to Dorado, where Shanghai was able to clutch it out and pull the three-two win uh, to take the lead and bring it over to three-two overall. So that, of course, sent Florida down to the loser's bracket, uh, while Shanghai advanced to the uh, next round of the winner's uh, bracket. So our next matchup was the, again, on Thursday, May 6th, was the Dallas Fuel taking on the Chengdu Hunters. And uh, this match certainly, I don't want to say less competitive, uh, a little more one-sided with uh, Dallas ultimately taking the win 3-1. to one. The only map that Chengdu took off of them was map 3 on Blizzard World. So, and it was even, it was a score of one to zero there. So not even a fantastic Blizzard world, if you ask me. Uh, map four of this round was actually pretty interesting. Uh, Dallas managed to clutch it out four to three. Um, it was, uh, sorry, it was Watchpoint Gibraltar. So obviously um, both teams doing, doing pretty well in that map, uh, but ultimately Chengdu just failing to, uh, to come out on top, sending them onto the loser's bracket as well, and of course advancing the Dallas Fuel uh, to play the Shanghai Dragons. So then on Friday, May 7th, we picked up with the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Dallas Fuel, and of course, Dallas going on an absolute tear and taking the win 3-2. to two. Uh, This time around, we once again had a draw on the 2CP map, which this time around was Temple of Anubis, um, and ultimately we went to four rounds uh, once... Er, four rounds sorry six rounds once again dallas taking the win on dorado uh sending them to the final and sending shanghai back down to the losers bracket then we had the florida mayhem taking on the chengdu hunters and florida as i mentioned looked really good in their first match against shanghai i was very impressed um i mean i was impressed with shanghai as well but a little bit more surprised than anything and I really did think that Florida looked uh, primed to win. So just, you know, a little bit unfortunate they went down to the loser's bracket there. But they then took on the Chengdu Hunters. And again, um, Chengdu not looking so great. And Florida seemed to have really cleaned up their act um, and gotten things together. You know, I, I think the big thing uh, that most people sort of suggested about Florida was the fact that the team really needed to make sure they were playing around OG, um, you know, their, their main tank there. Sometimes he does like to fly off the rails a little bit. He does like to, uh, you know, push hard. Um, a style that, you know, a support like Slime is is quite used to, having played with Bumper over on the Vancouver Titans. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think we we're really hoping to see both Yaki and BQB pop off, not just, you know, one or the other. Um, and against the Chengdu Hunters, it really seemed like, you know, maybe they had solved that... Uh, that mystery and gotten their stuff together. Uh, so they took the match three to one and of course advanced then to take on the Shanghai Dragons who lost to the Dallas Fuel prior. So we then saw what was probably, in my humble opinion, the most disappointing match of the tournament where Shanghai managed to take out Florida with a record of three and zero. And of course, 
this was still on Friday. Um, this was Shanghai's second game of the weekend and Florida's, or second game of the weekend, second game of the day and Florida's second game of the day. However, Florida's second in a row. Um, I really hoped that Florida would be, you know, riding high off their win against Chengdu and ultimately ready for, you know, a gritty rematch against the Shanghai Dragons that had already uh, beat them and sent them into the loser's bracket. But unfortunately, um, they really just didn't seem to have anything left in the tank. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it came down to one player or another. Um, it really just seemed like they were spent at that point. Um, and uh, unfortunately for them, the Shanghai Dragons, although they had, you know, suffered a defeat earlier on, kind of seemed like they had the confidence to beat Florida after already having beat them. Um, and ultimately it went 3-0 to uh, to the Shanghai Dragons. Map 1 was Oasis, Shanghai took it 2-0. Map 2 was Hanamura, Shanghai took it 1-0. And Map 3 was Kings Row, and Shanghai took it 2-1. So again, probably my most disappointing match of the weekend, uh, mostly just because I really wanted to see Florida win. Um, and obviously I was cheering pretty hardcore for Florida in this tournament, being the only team that I really like out of, I mean, that I'm a fan of out of all of these teams. So then of course we had our finals match on Saturday, May 8th with the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Dallas Fuel, uh, both teams, you know, getting a chance to rest, obviously, uh, both having played Thursday and Friday, uh, but then coming back on Saturday, fresh, uh, you know, Shanghai coming off a fresh win against Florida, Dallas coming off a fresh win against Shanghai. Um, and maybe that was the X factor, the fact that Dallas had already beaten Shanghai once. But uh, that's not to say Shanghai didn't look competitive, because certainly the match was a back and forth match. Um, as we talked about with Liz Richardson's article earlier in the show, uh, it really was uh, exciting to watch and and just a rematch, a rematch of all rematches. Um, map one was Lijiang Tower, and it went the way of Dallas. Map two was Temple of Anubis, Anubis, sorry, when we flipped back to Shanghai. Map three was King's Row, where Dallas took it again. Map four, things started to shift, and Dallas took Watchpoint Gibraltar again, as Liz uh, highlighted earlier in the show. Um, that was a really exciting map to watch. Uh, map five was Ilios, and the dragons came roaring back. And then, of course... Map 6 was Blizzard World, and Map 6 actually was a bit of a spectacle as well. Um, some really, really exciting hero plays there. Um, in particular, there was a, a play from Fearless where he, he dropped down from one of the overpasses coming around uh, that main between checkpoint A and B, I guess 1 and B, well, whatever. Um, and just really exciting to see see Fearless coming into his own and obviously uh, standing up against his own team kind of thing. And also obviously really exciting to see Shanghai starting to figure things out in a large way. Um, you know, they really didn't look all that great coming into the tournament. Um, I certainly wouldn't have picked them to, to make it to the tournament. Um, I think most people probably thought that it would be Philadelphia and uh, Chengdu coming in. Obviously, Chengdu made it, and Philadelphia did not in favor of Shanghai. So, anyways, really exciting to see Shanghai kind of getting their stuff together, and I think going forward, we're probably going to see a similar Shanghai to uh, last season, where they largely steamrolled uh, the eastern region. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily necessarily be that, uh, that strong, because, you know, I think... Uh, pardon me. It is a much stronger league right now, uh, but... Ultimately, 
I think Shanghai has probably figured out a lot of their challenges and will hopefully be looking a lot stronger. Meanwhile, Dallas obviously coming out on top, uh, the first win in organization history. It's going to mean a lot to them, and I don't see them slowing down at all. And with that, that is our recap of the past week's games. So now we are going to pop on over. Uh, we don't have any predictions right now because the schedule actually doesn't indicate um, when the games are coming uh, next week. Um, or not next week, sorry, when they do return. However, obviously some teams have announced their games already. So we do know, you know, obviously we, we know a little bit about uh, what's upcoming. But I digress. Uh, we will move on to our good friend Watson and we'll do some IBM power rankings with Watson. There's no stopping me. All right. So always important to point out that the uh, IBM power rankings with Watson uh, come from the data gathered uh, throughout the league's play. Um, and at this point, we are now a quarter of the way through the season. So I think a decent uh, sort of data pool, data set for Watson to work with. Um, so hopefully we're starting to see things kind of, you know, become a little more accurate um, and have some some real interesting uh, rankings that will likely hold up or only develop further, um, you know, but in the, in the same direction that they are trending currently. Uh, the only sort of wrench in that, if you ask me, is potentially, actually there's, there's kind of two big main factors. One being uh, the introduction of hero pools, which of course uh, will only come into play in the June Joust as well as the Countdown Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So the upcoming tournament starting at the end of May, then we will go back to no hero pools for the tournament after that. And then we will go back to hero pools for the final uh, quarter of the season. So hero pools will certainly throw a wrench in this. You know, we will definitely see characters uh, like, if I'm not mistaken, McCree, probably Diva, um, maybe Winston, maybe Reinhardt, you know, maybe Lucio, um, maybe Anna, although the supports are significantly less likely. Uh, anyways, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the hero pools. The other side of that, of course, be uh, being meta shifts, right? If, uh, if the game gets patched, which we know it is going to be patched between tournament cycles um, to sort of retain some of that competitive integrity amongst the teams, um, you know, if there is a significant shift in the meta, if a certain hero suddenly becomes a viable option or certain heroes uh, you know, drop out from being viable options, then that does limit teams in their ability to be competitive. Um, so those are the two kind of factors that I think will will affect IBM Watson the most. Uh, but anyways, let's take a look at the power rankings right now because we've obviously had quite a shift. So we're going to start with, who should we start with this week? Let's start with the damage roll. And we're going to take a look at the top five players for sure. I think I might expand that out just a touch, but let's recap it first. So in rank one, we currently have Sparkle moving up eight positions. Sparkle, of course, with the Dallas Fuel. We then have Doha, also with the Dallas Fuel, moving up six positions. We then have Lip with the Shanghai Dragons moving up two positions. Yaki with the Florida Mayhem dropping three positions. And Fleta. Uh, again, with the Shanghai Dragons moving up nine positions, actually, quite a few. Now, Fleta's significant change, if you ask me, I think that is actually because he didn't have a ton of playtime uh, going into the tournament, whereas he obviously got a significant amount more in the tournament um, and really helped Shanghai uh, with their second place finish. 
Now, what else is interesting about this is dropping out, dropping down from there, if we look at the next, let's go next five. We've got Happy with the Houston Outlaws, Assassin with the Washington Justice, BQB with the Florida Mayhem, Leave with the Chengdu Hunters, and Decay with the Washington Justice. Um, all of these players dropping, not necessarily significantly, but dropping positions. So Happy was down three, Assassin down three, BQB down one, Leave down seven, Decay down four. Um, but what's interesting about that, obviously, is we see... You know, with the exception of Chengdu and Florida, uh, the Houston Outlaws, who were largely favored to be in the tournament and then didn't make it, as well as the Washington Justice uh, with Assassin there. Um, and then, obviously, Decay in 10th again with the Washington Justice. So, interesting to see them dropping down. Obviously, a significant impact uh, on that is their lack of tournament appearances, as I mentioned there. The other interesting part about this is the score that... Watson assigns. So if we look at the spread from positions one through five, uh, Sparkle and Doha are both in one and two with a hundred with a score of 142. In third place, we have Lip with the Shanghai Dragons, and he is all the way down at 135. So we have a seven point difference between second and third place. If we then take a look at fourth, uh, Yaki drops down from Lip. So the difference is another seven points. So Lip has 135, Yaki has 128. We then drop to five with Fleta and he's at 126. So you can see the uh, the variance is starting to increase there as as teams become more successful and players you know are, are rated higher. Um, obviously the top three there, uh, you know 135 and 142. Um, you know as I mentioned, number of positions one and two are tied at 142. Those are the only players in the 140s or 135s. Below that, we are we have a significant number of players in the 120 range, and then dropping down from there, um, you know, the 110s. Uh, the closest to 120 is Nero with the San Francisco Shock in with 117, and he's all the way in 12th place. So, anyways, interesting to see that in the damage side of things. Obviously, Dallas and uh, Shanghai getting a significant boost from their tournament appearances. And, of course, the Florida Mayhem uh, players dropping, not necessarily significantly, but they were they were pretty well-rated going into this um, because they had some, some stellar performances, uh, especially their previous performance against the Washington Justice. So let's move over to support next. And we're going to take a look again at the top five to start, and I'll see if I want to do five more after that. So in position one, we have Fielder with the Dallas Fuel. In position two, we have Iziaki with the Shanghai Dragons. Three is Jexi. Four is Gangnam Jin. Five is Bebe. So interesting stuff there. Uh, you know, top three, we again have two Dallas Fuel members with Fielder and Jexi. Uh, position two shanghai dragons four we have the florida mayhem and five we actually have the washington justice which is kind of a kind of an inter interesting one uh just because obviously washington wasn't in the tournament and if we expand that out a little bit we go to six where we have alarm with the philadelphia fusion so again not in the tournament seven is lee Jagong with the uh, uh shanghai dragons so kind of makes sense and then eight and nine are both uh houston outlaws members with crimson and juby respectively so a little bit more interesting on the support side i think what we're seeing um here uh the most important thing to highlight is the gap between the first and second position now second and third are actually tied they have the same number of points so that's 
uh, Izayaki with the Shanghai Dragons and Jexy with the Dallas Fuel. But Fielder in the first place position with the Dallas Fuel is sitting at 153. Number two and three are tied at 135. That's almost a 20-point difference behind them. So I'd, I'd really be curious to see what Watson is really truly seeing there. That is the big difference maker between that. Um, but hey, I'm going to have to look into some, some smarter uh, options to try and figure that out because I don't know what Watson is thinking there. Not that I disagree with him. Uh, him, her, it. Uh, I should probably call it an it. It is a robot after all. Uh, moving on from there, let's see. Number two and three tied with 135. Number four is Gangnam Jin on the Florida Mayhem, and we do see him at 132, so he's still in that 130 range. Number five position, though, we drop five points. We're in the 120s with Bebe on the Washington Justice. And again, you know, we then have a handful of people, uh, players in the 120 range, but once we get outside of the top nine, so the 10th position is actually Violet, and it drops all the way to 116. So um, again, we're starting to see the spread. We're starting to see the variance. Uh, the really interesting thing for me is going to, well, a really interesting thing for me, um, just looking at these numbers and seeing that number 10 position of Violet, is going to be what do the San Francisco Shock look like in the June Joust? Um, that's, in, in my humble opinion, Everyone had them so highly rated because they are, of course, the two-time champions, and they look—they constantly look so good on paper, and and even their their play. You know, they steamrolled the Florida Mayhem, absolutely rolled them, um, and I think everyone thought the San Francisco Shock are back after you know a couple disappointing rounds prior to that, but then they they just have not been putting up the numbers. So, anyways, it'll be really exciting. They're probably one of my biggest uh, question marks or most anticipated. Um, to see them come back in the June Joust. So now let's jump over to the final role we have to look at, which is, of course, the tank role. And our top five looks like this Fearless with the Dallas Fuel in position one. Number two is Hanbin with the Dallas Fool. Dallas Fool. <laughs> Dallas Fuel. Number three is OG with the Florida Mayhem. Number four is Void with the Shanghai Dragons. Number five is Fate with the Shanghai Dragons. So, more interesting stuff there, uh, you know, again, as has been tradition of these uh, power rankings, Dallas Fuel coming in hot with the uh, number one and two position. Um, so support was the only one where they weren't one and two, they were one and three, but damage and tank, they're both sitting at uh, one and two. We then have the Florida Mayhem making an appearance um, in third place with OG and then, of course, two Shanghai Dragons to follow that up in number four and number five. So lots of Dallas Fuel in the top five of all three of these. Lots of Shanghai Dragons in the top five of these. Um, and, I mean, if we're being honest here, a significant amount of the Florida Mayhem as well. And I think a big part of the Florida Mayhem uh, being ranked so highly was their, their kind of unexpected win against a seemingly very strong uh, Washington Justice. So... Um, I think that is a part or, or at least plays a significant factor in why they seem to be rated so high. Um, you know, if we're looking at power rankings overall, I don't necessarily think that they should be that high anymore, given how they got rolled by the San Francisco Shock before the tournament, and then they got rolled by the Shanghai Dragons um, in the tournament as well, even though they also had a great match against the Shanghai Dragons. So it is really, really kind of kind of hard to say, but 
Now let's look at the points there. Our top five again are all 130 plus. Uh, number six is is Piggy with the Houston Outlaws, and he is 129, so right on the cusp there. But uh, looking at the variance in that top five, our one and two positions are both 149 and 148 respectively, and number three with OG is 136. So dropping quite significantly from that number two to number three position. Um, and actually number three OG is tied with number four void. Uh, but I digress. So very, very um, significant and impressive numbers being put up by the Dallas Fuel with Dallas Fuel sitting at 149 and 148, almost at that 150. So exciting stuff there. That's your that's your player role breakdowns. Now, if we look at the overall breakdown, breakdowns, breakdown of the power rankings, this is oof, oof, this is pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to cover the top ten or eleven here because it is actually that that interesting. So, in first place, actually one through five is entirely Dallas Fuel. We have Fielder, Fearless, Hanbin, Sparkle, Doha. We then have OG in number six. And then we have three Shanghai Dragons with Void, Iziaki, and Lip. And number 10 is another Dallas Fuel with Jexy. And then number 11 is another Shanghai Dragon with Fate. So Dallas obviously climbing way up the ranks. If we look at Sparkle in the fourth place position, he has gone up 21 positions. Doha in number five has gone up 19 positions. OG for the Florida Mayhem in number six has actually dropped four. Then if we look at the Shanghai Dragons numbers as well, Void has gone up 12 positions to number seven. Iziaki has gone up 10 positions to number eight. Lip has gone up eight positions to number nine. Uh, we then go to, back to Dallas. Uh, Jexy has gone up 16 positions to number 10, and Fate has gone up 24 positions to number 11. So we're seeing some significant changes there. And again, part of that comes down to playtime. Uh, someone like Fate moving 24 positions, even Jexy moving 16 positions, I would suspect that is largely due to playtime. Uh, we, we got significantly more playtime and, and more good playtime as well uh, from some of these players in the tournament. So I think that's a big factor of why we see such a large increase. Um, but I digress. Um, and then if we look at the score value, um, we do have our number one player with Fielder uh, on the Dallas Fuel sitting at 153. He is the only player to break that 150 range. Number two and three are Fearless and Hanbin, both the tanks for the Dallas Fuel, and they're sitting at 149 and 148. Numbers four and five, both tied at 142, are Sparkle and Doha, again, both with the Dallas Fuel. Outside of that top five, we we drop below the 140 range. Um, so we've then got a number, looks like uh, positions six through 12, are all in the 130 range, with the closest to 140 being 136, which is OG on the Florida Mayhem. So really interesting stuff here. Um, 12 through 18, all players have dropped ranks. Uh, we're looking at Florida, we're looking at Houston, we're looking at Washington. Um, looks like also a, a, a sneak peek that, or a sneak sneaky guy sneaking in there uh, from the Philadelphia Fusion. So lots of movement in no small part due to the fact that the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons really stepped their game up in the May Melee Tournament. 
Now, that's all we have for the player power rankings with IBM Watson. So let's scroll on down a little bit here. And we're going to look at the team player rankings. And then, of course, we will wrap up the show. So let's take a peek here. Starting at, should I start at the bottom? No, let's start at the 10th position. Um, I'm going to go 10 through 1, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So in the 10th position, that middle, middle of the pack, uh, dead center, we have the Toronto Defiant sitting with a score of 106. Number 9 is the San Francisco Shock with a score of 110. Number 8 is the Seoul Dynasty, 111. Number 7 is Chengdu Hunters, 117. Number 6 is Philadelphia Fusion, 118. Number 5 is the Washington Justice, 122. Number 4 is the Houston Outlaws, also 122. Number 3 is the Florida Mayhem with 126. Number 2 is the Shanghai Dragons with 131. And number one is the Dallas Fuel with 144. So obviously our top five there looking very much or very, yeah, very much like the tournament with the exception of the Houston Outlaws and the Washington Justice. So it's actually kind of interesting to see the Chengdu Hunters drop four positions to number seven. So they previously would have been in that top five, but they're dropping down to number seven. Meanwhile, Philadelphia sitting at number six has not changed. And the Washington Justice have dropped one uh, position to number five. The Houston Outlaws have actually jumped up one position to uh, number four. But that top three, Dallasville, Shanghai Dragons, Florida Mayhem, um, obviously uh, sitting pretty in that one, two, three position because of their performance in the uh, May Melee Tournament. Both teams getting some wins, and that's going to be why we see Chengdu dropping so significantly is because they didn't get a win in the, turn in the tournament, right? They were the first team eliminated. Uh, you know, they dropped down to the loser's bracket after their first match, and then they got bested by the Florida Mayhem, which certainly helped the Florida Mayhem climb the ladder. Um, Florida dropping two positions. In my opinion, Florida would have been, a, it's a little optimistic to say Florida would have been the number one team. Um, I certainly think they... I mean, as was evident by the by the tournament, uh, they had some challenges and they still do. But ultimately, I think they're they're looking good and they are set to improve. So, and if we look at the score, of course, the Dallas Fuel in the first place position, the only team breaking the 140 range. Number two, the Shanghai Dragons, the only team in the 130 range, and they're just barely they're at 131. And then, of course, the Florida Mayhem. Uh, sitting alongside the Houston Outlaws and the Washington Justice with 126, whereas Houston and Justice have, or Washington, have 122. So obviously Florida jumping above both of them, even though they both have a 4-0 record, but because Florida had that impressive showing against the Washington Justice. So takeaways from all of this, it's going to be really interesting to see what the June Joust brings, given we have a different map pool, given we have hero pools, and, of course, given we have uh, teams with different schedules. So, you know, there's a lot of talk of strength of schedule where, you know, stronger teams facing weaker teams or weaker teams facing stronger teams or weaker teams facing weaker teams, right? And getting some wins based off that. I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit shocking to see, you know, let's say the Boston Uprising sitting in 14th position um, or maybe the Vancouver Titans sitting in 18th position. Um, but ultimately... 
the schedule does play a part in that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, you know, it'd be nice to actually see Florida take on a team like Houston and see if they can beat them after, you know, beating the Washington Justice. I think Washington is a bit of a question mark. Um, I'm excited to see if Washington can be the powerhouse that everyone seemed to think they were and that they seemed to be with their, their you know, stellar record until they faced that match against Florida. Maybe Florida just had them figured out. Maybe a meta shift, maybe a uh, hero pool, hero ban, whatever uh, changes that. But it'll be interesting to find out. And then, of course, I'd say my, my other big question mark is probably the San Francisco shock. I'm very curious to see if they have sorted anything out, um, you know, over their, their air quotes time off, um, after not making it into the main melee tournament. So now that is all we have for this week. I want to take a brief look here at the overall standings, just so we can see what's going on. Shanghai currently sits in first place overall, um, and that is quite literally because of uh, because of their record and their points. So, you know, in the tournament, obviously, you get awarded league points. Uh, in regular season play, you also get league points for, for your performances. And Shanghai is currently sitting at five points with three wins and one loss. Whereas Dallas is also sitting in second, or sitting in second with five points as well. But they have obviously the worst record with two wins and two losses. Um, however, their performance in the tournament bumps them up to second. In third, we have the Philadelphia Fusion with four points with a record of 4-0. We then have the other two 4-0 teams with the Washington Justice coming in at third and the Houston Outlaws coming in at fifth, both with 4-0 and four league points. And then we have the only other team with four league points in number sixth, being the Florida Mayhem with a record of 3-1. and one. So that's your top six right now. I went down to Florida there just because that covers most of the tournament. Uh, Chengdu is sitting in eighth with a record of three and one. Again, you know, their their tournament performance, not enough to bump them over Seoul, who sits in seventh with a record of three and one. So interesting stuff there. Looking at the bottom of the list, the LA Valiant are in the last place, uh, zero and four. Uh, you know, negative 11 map differential. London, also 0 and 4, negative 9 map differential. And Vancouver, sitting in 18th, not last. That's all I'm going to say about that. 0 and 4 with a map differential of negative 8. And that's, of course, because they have actually been able to take maps off of some, some higher ranking teams. So, anyways... That is all we have for this week's show, so let's wrap up. Excuse me for dropping in. As you no doubt know by this point, this has been episode 40 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This was, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. You can catch me over on Twitter. You can catch me on Instagram at SirDRJM. Um, you can find me at that on pretty much all socials. So go ahead and give me a follow. Reach out to me there, especially on Twitter. If you have anything you'd like me to talk about on the show or you want to be a part of it or something to that extent, give me a follow. Shoot me a message there, and I'm happy to interact with you. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So go ahead and give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends. Um, and if you find a podcast service that the uh, you can't find One Man Watchpoint on, reach out to me on Twitter and we'll get that taken care of right away. Now that's it for episode 40 of One Man Watchpoint. So thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week uh, where I will be one year older. Thank you.